0: All right, here we are, another podcast. This time I'm doing the driving through this podcast, which is number two of Wet and Dry. And speaking of driving, I have to address it in the last podcast. I said that maybe the 14-year-old Bren wouldn't be that stoked with the car I'm driving around in right now. And uh, that that is honestly not the case. Like 14-year-old me would be like, dude, you have a car? You use it to go kayaking? That's sick, man. You know, he wouldn't care what car I'm in. But um, we do have a lot of friends having midlife crises right now and buying big, expensive, fast cars.
1: <laughs> That's right. Just a matter of time until we're there. But for now, let's enjoy just being mobile on the road. Dude, I would.
0: Yeah, man. I, w- I would settle for um, reliably starting and um, making it through the entire journey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True. Fun <laughs> fact this is the first time. I guess, on a trip where we have a reliable car, which is oh quite new. Uh? Unbelievable. I Think- s- I'm still not used to it, not like trying to hear for like weird engine noises or like making it uphill and like always checking the temperature gauge on the car, stuff like that. Brother, I, I've, I thought I was going deaf because I
0: was like, I don't hear anything. It's so <laughs> silent. You know, it's not an electric car or anything. It's it's Adrian's van, which is sick. But, you know, to not hear like knocking or yeah, like yeah, some yeah. whining, as like, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm deaf. Um, but yeah, other things to talk about based off the last podcast is, um, we were talking about waterfalls and I especially was pretty critical about, um, about people stepping up to waterfalls and that's sort of fair and sort of not fair because the only way to know is to go over the edge and that's the only way you're going to learn. But at the same time, you want to give yourself the best possible chances for success you know like if it if it goes wrong you can really get hurt or worse and you want to give yourself the best chance to get it right and for me that comes with being a good all-round kayaker learning how to control your kayak in like multiple angles and different environments and you know then after that comes waterfalls and air awareness and and all of that stuff but I unfortunately I see so many times a lot of people stepping up to big waterfalls and I I don't I think it's just a bit too soon so many times.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like we're in a different phase now. I feel like maybe 5 years ago when running big waterfalls was everything, people would come into the sport and then really quickly transferred to that side of things. I remember a few people who like just went quickly into running big drops and got super quickly super good at it, but that was their thing. Whereas now, just in general, I, f- I feel like I see less, even on social media, I see less big waterfalls being run on the daily compared to like a few years ago. Obviously, now it's it's different stuff. It's it's way more versatile. It's the downriver freestyle apart. we're going to talk about later a little bit. But just a pure amount of like 60, 70, 80 footers being run on the daily, I think is decreasing. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah man,
0: I think it goes through waves, but I think I think at the moment now, like, I mean it's hard as well because we're in our own bubble, you know, but like for me the downriver freestyle movement is like the thing, yeah. you know, and it it certainly got to a point where um, you know, it was hard to differentiate between people on waterfalls, you know? And um and now with downriver freestyle is a big way to to um separate people, you know. Like are you just kayaking down the waterfall or are you hitting flips and tricks off it on your way down as well? And um, you know, I think with that and with that pursuit of downriver freestyle, you you have to work towards being the most well-rounded kayaker you can be. And for me, that's that's what that's always been my goal. You know, to like rock up to any river, any spot, any get in any kayak and just be able to rip and shred. You know, that's what I've always wanted, and that's certainly like all my heroes did as well. You know, like like Rush Sturgis, Dave Fasili, Pat Keller, um, various others. You know, Benny Ma, like although. Denny Mars epic on Big Water and stuff, but his whole freestyle is lacking for sure. <laughs> I don't
1: think I can never say I saw Benny do any whole freestyle tricks. I think only by accident. <laughs> and
0: even then not that often. Um but yeah, he's I I think it's cool when, when people find um a part of kayaking that they really love and they devote themselves to it. But but for me I I'm you know, I want all of it. I, w- I want to be the best that I can at every side of this sport admittedly i'm not into competitions anymore but um but yeah like soul kayaking and trying to be good at all the, all the sides of the sport is is my main focus. And I, I think we're seeing that more because of the slicey kayak movement as well. You know, like people, like for those that don't know, kayaks come in all different shapes and sizes. I would say a slicey kayak is sort of similar to maybe like a slope style mountain bike. You know, like you can you can kayak down some harder rapids in it, but you can also hit some tricks in it as well. And it sort of blends, blends between the two different styles of kayaks and really just opens up a world of possibilities to you on the water. And um, you know, if you think when we first started in the half slice kayaks, you know, you were in the Rexy.
1: I was in the Rexy, you were in the Ripper back in twenty nineteen, we did our first trip to to Norway and these things be like, Yep, that's gonna be it. And yeah. it was wild <laughs> Yeah,
0: I well I remember talking about it with you and we were like, Oh god, I don't know if this is such a good idea because you know, Norway's big, stout and powerful and normally you wanna be in a creek boat out here. Um, but we were so hyped on those designs and how good they were working and how much fun we were having that we were like screw it let's just go and see what happens young dumb yeah.
1: and uh, it mostly worked out we made an edit called knives to a gunfight which was your saying eh yeah yeah yeah. i found it very fitting rocking up with these small kayaks with very unforgiving sterns compared to like the huge huge creek boats we were just in the year before basically running the same things so i was like I do feel somewhat under equipped, but here we go, <laughs> but with that you you have to learn a whole different style um when you 're using the
0: half slice kayaks. you know you have to hit things with more angles and and more speed and like really like working on on being protective you know like getting your weight forwards when you 're coming down stuff, and you just have to be on it the whole time i think I think in a creek boat you you have a little bit more margin for error, even though you obviously have to be on point to hit big lines in it. But you have a little bit, um, a little bit of comfort and safety there with with that volume behind you, and uh, the half slice takes that away completely. So you know, if you're trying to hit the same lines that you do in a creek boat as with a half slice, you just have to be that much more on it. You know, you can do
1: it, but you you really have to be on it. Yeah, I mean, for me, going with with the half slice for a couple of years now, I think it was one of the most influential changes in my kayaking, just because as you say, you have to paddle way different. But it also makes you think about water and current and raffle so different that you really just have to rethink everything you thought you knew, I would say. And, and that way my style of kayaking really changed and my understanding of water really changed. And just having like less room for error makes you use the, the river so much more, I would say. And I mean, right now we're talking all about how much harder it is, but in the end of the day, like a half slice sometimes sounds like a compromise or is but there's definitely also reasons why it's more than a compromise and it's actually better than a creeker. there can be features on the river where i think a half slice just outperforms any big modern creek boat just because you're able to to kayak way more dynamic i always like to call it 3d kayaking because you're like rocking your boat up and down forward sideways you're using curlers you're hitting things like you can be so much more agile and dynamic using the water that in the end of the day there are rapids which I think are easier to run in a half slice compared to a full size creek boat, even though it is a smaller kayak. Dude, great point.
0: Very true. And uh, you could I mean you can also you can you can use your body movement more in the half slice. You can like not only preload it more before you pull up with your paddle and, and take a boof or something, but you can also just Sort of use your hips and your core to like pick yourself up over the little waves and then the blade is free and you can look ahead for your key move, you know. But I will say every time I swap back into the creek boat, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much easier. <laughs> um, Normally at least, you, although you do have to adjust for like getting pushed from that volume behind you. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm all about the half slice movement. It genuinely, it makes me go kayaking more. Like I just love it that much more. And it really bridges the gap between like small days where I'm not that motivated and big days where I'm, you know, I'm hyped and I'm frothing. And uh, yeah, every day on the water in a half slice is, is a good day.
1: I guess, yeah, as you say, that's the thing. Like obviously traveling as much as we can, kayaking as many new rivers as we can. But the reality is that you still do end up on the same rivers very often throughout your season and especially over the years. And I think that's also why these kayaks come in so clutch because all of a sudden your well-known river becomes a new playground because you have such a fun design to, which makes you want to try things. Like if you think about it, just last week on Osbygdi, this one rapid we've been running that since half a decade now. And, you know, we thought that's, that's it. That's how you do it. That's how it goes. And coming back now in these kayaks and, like, with, I guess, also, like, an adapted mindset, not just a different kayak, but, like, having an open mindset about possibilities and solution solving. Like, all of a sudden, you know, like, things go very different and something new happens. Like, I'm yet still always amazed what these type of kayaks make me think about kayaking and about how to use a current. Like, yeah, I just love it. Obviously, it turns out we love half slices. It's fucking amazing.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. Talking about that Auspigdi River, um, that's a classic in Telemark, Norway. And uh, Adrian off the main main little waterfall there hit one of the sickest down river freestyle tricks I've ever seen. You're gonna see footage of it real soon. It was amazing. For myself, I I just swapped back to a creek boat and I felt I was in like. For this trip to Norway, I took the smallest kayak I have, which is the Piranha Firecracker, and I took the biggest kayak I have, which is the Piranha Scorch. And I think for that river and that move, something in between the two would have been perfect, which is sort of what you
1: had. Exactly. I think that's actually a perfect example of like what we're trying to say of like creek boards, half slides, and how these things interact with each other
0: yeah that's that's my one regret is before the level dropped i didn't give it a go in the um in the firecracker i probably would have just got back looped and eaten it but maybe maybe it would have popped and i would have been able to throw it um dude going back to waterfalls though that's that's a key one i think to talk about um for me I feel like you always had an easier time like slipping into a nice free fall you know and and getting into like the box you know Mm. and just staring it down and riding it out and I think as well like you're throughout the years you've always thrown your paddle whereas I've always tried to keep hold of mine and that definitely changes it a little bit but can you can you explain when you're going over over a waterfall what you're doing for people
1: Yeah so for me like going up like running waterfalls especially running big waterfalls where you want to make sure your bow comes down is obviously a very important moment and you don't want to mess it up because it can definitely uh, result in injuries or stuff like that and I feel like everybody develops a certain style throughout the years like I'm 100% positive you can show me 10 kayakers going over waterfall in the same piece of gear without me seeing their face and i can name you who it is purely based off like their style of like doing it and everybody develops that style adapted to their body composure their size the character in their kayaking style
0: Dude, their, personality, their personality like where they learn how to kayak like there's so many yeah. factors
1: at play that the
0: era that they learn to kayak
1: like you can really tell and for me how i like how I learned to to run waterfalls and then kind of like went that route of technique is that I come over my, uh, my back, back side of my pad rather than my front side I kind of go on the back side with an angle and I push my bow down and straighten it out on the way down rather than like pull and bring it down which is something I think T. Brad was doing a lot back in the day and some people were doing it but it just became like my approach and my my way how to run waterfalls and it worked early on and i just stuck with that and tried to make it more controlled and better over the years so for me it's all about coming over the lip on my backside nice and controlled straighten it out and then quickly finding my angle to be in the box that's what we call when when the paddle is parallel here 90 degrees you have your elbows there so you're like in a stable body position to like stop yourself or your kayak from still changing angles on the way down and then waiting until i would either throw my paddle or tuck up funny story there um for whatever reason so many waterfalls are being run on a lefty like we had this (laughs) discussion before so many waterfalls you run on a lefty i'm left-handed so i pretend or i prefer to to tuck up so to put my my paddle on the right side of my kayak which is not where you want to put it when you come off of a lefty, right? So first I started throwing my paddle. So I would go over, be in the box, get rid of my paddle and tuck up, handle at the bottom. Obviously not all waterfalls you can do that. You can do that. So I had to develop this kind of weird technique of like coming over with a lefty, going into the box and then tucking up on the right, which, you know, over the years, again, I worked on it. Now it works just fine and I'm happy to do it like that. But uh, yeah, this is how I I solve waterfalls for myself. How about you? Dude, I think for me, I have too many trust issues. You
0: know, like where you talk about just getting into the box and just letting the kayak ride. It it took me so long to get comfortable doing that. And even now, I tend to have one blade like more dominant and like in the curtain of water. And then I can pull and push myself to adjust the, the angle of the kayak the whole way down if I need to. And I think... For me, like I was never into throwing the paddle, you know, like because I want to start the waterfall. It's like a complete kayaking set and I want to finish the waterfalls like a complete kayaking set, you know. So, you know, like one of the few times I've thrown my paddle is is off one of my earlier waterfalls and I never really did it after that. I liked, I liked trying to keep myself um, like a complete package and that's definitely... Um I think helped on more consequential waterfalls where there 's not a big safe pool to land into where there 's something else afterwards and you have to hold onto your paddle and that I was comfortable doing that always, and maybe more so than others because that 's just always how I did waterfalls. you know I was always tucking and holding onto my paddle mostly because I preferred how it looked, but then in most situations, it sort of worked out worked out even better to have that set up so I'm pretty grateful for that. I think um, because I spent so much time freestyling and uh, and doing phonics monkeys and tricks where you're really rotating over to the side of your kayak, I can, I'm pretty happy tucking both ways. Uh, they're mostly the same for me. I think... As Adrian's saying, because most waterfalls are are lefties, I normally end up tucking to the left. So right hand coming forward as the front and tucking over the left of the kayak. Um, but I'm I'm always grateful when there is eventually a righty waterfall. Me <laughs>
1: too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh and uh,
0: and, I, and I'm on my like on I'm on my more dominant hand and uh and I can tuck up that side as well. But I think a key thing for me as well is like when I was coming up, especially in a creek boat, I was just behind Dave Fasilli the entire time and just really absorbing and learning for him. And Dave Fasilli has, for me, an incredible style, you know? It's, like, powerful, but, like, really chill and lazy boy. And And what I mean by that is, like, he'll take so little strokes down a rapid you know he'll just be ruddering back here chilling like all on a rudder and using the back of a blade behind his hips and it's so impressive to me and you know seeing that I always wanted to do that and I, I do find myself doing that more now but um I always had a lot of respect for like how much you can do with your paddle back here you know, and both certainly some waterfalls where I was using the back of the blade here rather than the, than having it out front with the power face or the back face of the blade. I was actually on a rudder, and uh, one of the first um, like big waterfall stories I ever heard of someone fixing a problem in the air was Chris Grapman's on it was either Desoto or Nokalula. um in America. Those are two big eighty foot, 80 and 90 foot waterfalls. And um, the story goes that Chris goes over vertical, like over the bars at the top, and he reacts and he decides to save himself and he throws his paddle back behind him like this in a rudder, um, back face down, and just pries himself back from past <laughs> vertical and then tucks up. And, uh, you know, that was one of the first stories I heard when I, when I started kayaking off Waterfall. So I always had a lot of respect for what you can do from here as well. Um, but yeah, I mean waterfall kayaking is it's an amazing part of the sport but it's not everything and uh, I I'm stoked truly to see people like enjoying and pushing more what in my opinion is like the best side of the sport which is river running probably in a half slice with your friends and yeah that, that for me is but that that for me is like the absolute best thing i can do my best way to spend a day is like a long river run with my friends hitting moves the whole way down
1: yeah no no for sure i think the problem is like in order like just the waterfall side of things tends to get the most exposure and the easiest so especially when you're coming up you want to make a name for yourself whatever the best way to do that is by running waterfalls or used to be but as Brent says that's not what you do every day one because your body gets so eventually and two there's so much more to the sport um but these things kind of tend to stick i would say like the whenever i show somebody something of my kayaking especially if they're not from the sport like the waterfall pictures will stick the most even though it requires a complete different skill set and maybe even a less versatile skill set compared to river running what i think as you say is like the pinnacle of the sport and is the true essence of the sport um so yeah i think i can only double down on brand with that like if you want to kayak every day it's not gonna be the 80, 80 foot waterfalls every day. It's gonna be long rivers, amazing moves with your friends, where you challenge each other, you push each other to try new things, and just keep progression going that way. Dude, hundred percent. I guess
0: I honestly don't know. I think I just I think I just found the image of a kayaker going off a waterfall when I was younger. So mind blowing, yeah, you know, and. Sure. For me, I just wanted to know what that felt like, you know, and then when you when you know what that feels like and you get, you you know, you you experience that, like all the all the emotions that come with dropping off a big waterfall, you know, the nerves and anxiety at the top, you know, like calming yourself down, feeling confident that you're there and, and comfortable and, and then going over the edge and you're in that hyper focused like beautiful state of mind where you're not you're not thinking but if you need to think then you think faster than you've ever thought before you know it's it's really hard to explain but like I've done things like at Nguyen mm-hmm. which is an 80 footer in Chile and uh when we were doing it I think it was I think only Aniol and Ian Ian Garcia had been there first, right? So we didn't know fully about the waterfall. We hadn't seen a bunch of lines off there. And so we went over like river left of the waterfall and with that like I had to do like a like my nose came up in the air and I had to do this adjustment and I swept from the right of my kayak all the way around to the front of the kayak and then tucked on the left and I have no idea where that came from, you know, like if you presented that to me as a problem of how to solve, I would never have come up with that solution, but because I'm going off for the waterfall and there's a lot of consequence, somehow my brain just found that solution and fixed it, you know, and I was not really thinking of anything other than having a good line, you know like you you really I think if you make too many plans before you go off a waterfall, you're going to give yourself some issues. You know, you have to you have to just be calm and ready to react, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like such a fine line, as Bren just said. Like, many times, nearly, actually nine out of ten times, I will watch back, let's say, POV footage of me going over a waterfall, especially over a high-consequential tall waterfall. And I will do something different than what my initial plan kind of had foreseen. And I will do something in a way where, if you would told me before, I'd be like, "Nah, no way. That's way too risky to try to do that for the first time off a ninety foot waterfall." Like, I would ne- like maybe it would work, but I would never try that or like act- actively go for that kind of move. Um, but this is the fine line you have to write because, as Brent just said, like you want to be, you want to prepare yourself, you want to visualize your line, you want to see all that, but you don't want to get the focus too narrow because at some point it's so nice to be able to trust your experience. So I personally like to find myself in a state of like, okay, like I know what I wanna do. I have my markers of like, okay, go left off this wave, go over this color, look for that ripple, do that and that stroke there and there, but leave like wiggle room for unforeseen changes and then in a, a, to, to be able to react properly and quickly and not be stuck in my game plan, which I made on shore. But yeah, like many times I watch back GoPro and I'm like, what? How did I do that? And like, why did I do that? I remember, for example, one line of Alexandra in Canada where I like kind of pull like a boob stroke to bring my bow up and then let it drop on the way down. But it's a long way down. And I would have, if you would have told me that before, I, I no, I wouldn't have done that. But it just felt right at the moment. And I think that's that situation everybody likes to talk about flow state whatever but it's just amazing what your brain can come up with in split seconds in a high high risk high consequence environment and when it works out it's definitely the best feeling
0: dude i, ju- I just shuddered there when you said when you said alexandra's name for me that's like um like voldemort from harry potter like he who must not be named and uh, we'll talk about that in a later podcast series but that waterfall is where i had a sick line but a horrible accident off it and uh yeah it still gives me the the shivers thinking about it but um interesting one for me is um I don't honestly feel much at the bottom of a waterfall now you know like when when I was starting out it was a crazy adrenaline rush because you know like you don't know what you're doing off a waterfall until you start going off waterfalls you know and you get to the bottom and you're okay and you're like oh, my God, you know, like, it worked, I'm fine, woo! You know, you get these crazy adrenaline rushes, and I think now we've been doing it for so long, and I'm such a perfectionist, and Dano does this as well, you know, but, like, you very rarely very rarely do, do I or Dane pop up and claim it or cheer, you know, only if it was like really, really sick or if it was, um, really scary to do, (laughs) you know, but like, I'm, I'm always like landing and then analyzing about, and trying to figure out what I did. And yeah, I, I wish, I wish that I, I wish that I had kept like, more stoke at the bottom of waterfalls you know like like those big adrenaline rushes at the start
1: are are wild that's next level it definitely fuels you for days i remember my first waterfall, yeah yeah, first years of running big drops where it just like gave you the craziest rush and you'd be on fire for the next few days and as you say now it's kind of like a very contempt feeling at the bottom because you did what you planned to do and it worked out the way you envisioned it to and it's nice for sure but it's not like that burst of emotions what it used to be and i think the experience part is a huge reason for that kind of when you you know you play the lottery and you win the lottery because you had luck but you didn't really you know like you didn't calculate the numbers why you would win the lottery you had luck and i think it's similar in like learning how to run big waterfalls or running your big waterfalls like you obviously kind of know what you're doing but you don't have it like figured out yet so you you do get that element of luck which is like a surprise so i think that's the reason why it just sends you into these spheres of of happiness and joy and whatever whereas eventually you learn it and that element of luck kind of recedes and it's more like a skill you do and so that for me changed i, I think it changed because of that for me from like just like like feeling like I won the lottery to like feeling very contempt and be like, okay, nice that that went off the plan
0: yeah yeah still still a beautiful process and a nice feeling at the bottom but it's more of a like a like a, like a good job <laughs> you know <laughs> rather than you know celebrating like a football player at the world C- cup when he scores a goal yeah not for sure um, but I also man I find that cooler you know like I I just find it cooler when you when you just land and you just and you just kayak away like it was nothing to you because <laughs> it's just part of the everyday thing I, I find that cooler but um, I'm also British, and that's uh, certainly a thing about being British. You know, we don't we don't really, like, overreact or, like, you know.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to take away any stalk from any youngster. No, never. If you want to be stoked on the waterfall, fuck yeah, you should definitely be. It's an amazing thing to write down 10, 15, 20, 30 meters of freefall. That's definitely a big reason to be stoked. I think it just comes down to a personal level. <laughs> yeah,
0: dude, for sure. Don't... Don't
1: let me um, put anyone down
0: there being stoked at the bottom of a waterfall. I'm just saying I personally am miserable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No kidding. Um, So yeah, dude, we talked a lot about waterfalls in this one. Um, Yeah, we sort of touched on it a bit already, but um, are we seeing a return to like an all-round skill set from
1: kayakers in the sport or not? Mm -hmm. I would very much say so as we emphasized earlier with the waterfall and downriver freestyle thing as I, w- I would say so but also seeing uh events like you know gopro gopro mountain games there it's like a multi not multi like it's multi-sport but it's like different stages of the sport and the same people being in the in the first few spots for me is a good sign that you know like it's it's all about everything racing freestyle creaking um, and going away from the competition part, I would still say so. I think nowadays, in order to do certain things, for example, downriver freestyle, you just need to have all the basic foundations. Like You're not going to be a good downriver freestyle kayaker if you don't know how to freestyle at all. So that's kind of like a, a basic building sto- like stone or building brick in order to level up to the next one. So I think because people are striving for these new faces of the sport they there's no way around other than learning the building foundations of everything in order to get there you know what i mean whereas back in the day or yeah like maybe five ten years ago you would just specialize in one thing and one thing only which kind of didn't made it necessary to do to be able to do everything at least on like a advanced level
0: yeah dude i I agree with I agree with all of that for sure. Um but I would I would say like the comment about GoPro games, I I would I would love to look up like how many people are actually there competing, you know? Like I I do think like that sort of event sees like way less competitors than it used to, unfortunately. Yeah and you know i'm not sure what that is because like it's it's a sick venue and there's good events on there you know like i used to love that creek race they did it was super hard at that altitude coming in mm-hmm. and uh and trying to breathe let alone race hard but it was it was a really good technical race course and um the freestyle venue yeah it was always changing with the water levels but you know you you had pretty legit freestylers rocking up there and competing every year and uh man, I have to look at the, all of the results. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd just be interested in seeing how many people were there, you know, because you were talking about how the, the same names were popping up Yeah, and, uh, I just want to know how many people were there and to try and understand whether there were like people that were specialized in certain categories or they were just all round rippers or, you know, what was going on there or whether people that have been doing it for years, like Dane and Nick were just dominating through and through. But, I have to say as well, shout out Tom Dole from France for winning the freestyle. I was so stoked to see that. Like, that was an amazing watch. Uh, like yeah that was like his opening move that um that entry move mcnasty that was the same as like his mentor matthew de moulin used to throw and um that was so cool to see that style coming out and being rewarded at gopro games and uh and seeing a new name up on there on the podium you know like that's that's really rad to me so yeah nice one tom i think brother let's let's end this podcast here and uh i'll write down some more show notes for the next one and uh yeah, if you're listening to this and you have some topics you want us to cover, just hit us
1: up and uh, and we'll talk about them. But yeah, cheers, team. Catch Let's you in the next one. Catch you in the next one. Wet and dry episode two. It's a rap. See you soon, guys. Cheer. It's not a rap. You didn't rhyme anything. <laughs> not yet. Come not on, give yet. us a freestyle in front of the mic. <laughs> I'm not Dane Jackson. I am not qualified <laughs> to do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Cheers.